0: The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We are dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Hello, listeners. Leslie Morse here again, and I'm excited for the Women in Agile podcast to be bringing you the second episode in the Coaching Agile Teams mini-series. Today, you'll hear us explore the mission of this mini-series. It strikes me how the essence or the feeling of this conversation is unlike the opening episode where we provided an overview of the content. Our discussion is somewhat of a roller coaster, High dreams contrasted with moments of vulnerability that are raw and unfiltered. For those of you longing to know Lisa Adkins in a more intimate way, this is certainly the episode for you. You'll hear us discuss why we wanted to collaborate on this content, our hopes for how it could impact you as a listener, and glimpses into how we dream it could create a pathway for changing the world. As always, if you want to stay up to date with everything happening with the Coaching Agile Team's mini-series, please visit us online at www.wimenadule.org/cat. Thank you for tuning in to this episode, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello, Lisa. Hey, Leslie. <laughs> How are you today?
1: Oh, I'm really, I'm doing well. Good. I'm Good. doing well in this moment, and that's what I can say.
0: I love mm-hmm. that. I, um, I, I wish listeners could see the video that goes along with this, like just the mm-hmm. smiles on our faces Mm -hmm. kind of right now. Um, I think the anticipation of this conversation is very alive. Um, and I'm so excited to embark on a journey with you.
1: Me too. I was telling my husband about what my day was like today. And I said, well, you know, I get to get on and record this podcast with Leslie Morris and we're going to do, um, you know, live for everyone. What is usually a backroom conversation. Yeah. And he's like, Really? You're going to do that? Yeah, of course we're
0: going to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be great. And so I'm just, I'm excited for us. I'm excited for everybody as we start talking about the mission and the why behind, um, the new audiobook for coaching agile teams for what we want to get out of this podcast series that we're going to start recording. Um, and I just am really present with this a sense of responsibility yeah. about um, shining the right light on this story and the work and the way you have served our community, mm. why this content and thought leadership is still so relevant, especially in the world we live in um, today, and I'm just so thankful, Lisa, for for this opportunity. So, mm-hmm. thank you.
1: You are really welcome, and I am receiving what you're saying and taking it in. It is um, it is such a privilege to receive words like what you just said, and to know that one's work, and in this case, my work, has impacted you in that way, and that you want to do right by it in a certain way, yeah. and. And I want to really do right by our listeners, by having this podcast series be something that that enlivens them, that gives them something they can use right now, that um, that definitely touches on the audiobook, which I hope a lot of people will take advantage of. But is not just an ad for the audiobook. I feel like yeah. that would be a real waste of people's time.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's, mm-hmm. I mean, just as we've been prepping to start doing this, there's so much we can unpack. And so in some extent, I want to ask for forgiveness from people because we might be a little bit all over the place. Yeah. But I just Look. like I'm present with being really full yeah, of inspiration.
1: And, and we're exploring yeah. real time. I mean, yes. so, you know, this is it might be a little wandering, but it might be really deep and good in places. Yeah. Yes. So I think that's the benefit of this not having to be like super polished and, you know, high production and all of the quote-unquote dead space taken out yes because n- hardly any of that is ever dead space no right
0: the beauty often is what happens in those silent moments
1: yeah, yeah. and in the moments where we're just sort of grappling with something we don't, we don't quite have it right yet and then bang it clicks and then, oh that's what we mean
0: yes exactly so that,
1: that's the emergence that agile was meant to produce mm-hmm. but that but that the frameworks of agile themselves don't guarantee because we have so much more that we have to fill those frameworks up with to create the conditions in which a group of people can, can handle the kind of conversation we're going to have. Yeah. Which is one that is genuinely generative Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and where something, something unexpected, like, Oh my gosh, something emerges and we look at it and go, where did that come from? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, (laughs) and, There's something, I think we have a unique opportunity of normalizing how sometimes it is a little messy.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. And you're
0: exploring your way through it because I know so many people I talk to that feel this need to still be out there and like, I have to do it perfect in my organization or be perfect with my client. I have to get it right. So I think about that Brene Brown quote like, I am here. To, to get, get it, it right, right, not to right. be right.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, and especially now to just locate us in general, we yeah. in the world we're in mid-pandemic. If we think mid-pandemic. I hope right. we're in mid-pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> I hope we're actually <laughs> at the midpoint. I don't know. But the point is that especially now when we are under so much other pressures, so much uncertainty, to add the like being polished and getting it right and looking good on top of that is really a heavy burden.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it turns out that that sort of polish is what keeps us from having the real um, innovation or the real emergence.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, imagine if through this time we were able to shed that need for polish and perfection and what possibility that will unlock for us in a post-pandemic world.
1: Yeah. There's this great book called An Everybody Culture by Lisa Leahy and um, Robert Keegan. And they talk about everyone doing two jobs at work, the job they were hired to do, and then the job of looking good and getting it right. Mm. And that if we could put down that second job that takes up so much of our energy and attention and anguish, and we
0: could actually do our job. Yes. Yeah. Ha- when you say those words. Cuz those that feels really important. How does the gift of that serve the mission of the work you're seeking to do through this podcast series and through the new audiobook?
1: In Creating the audiobook, which meant reading every word and really re understanding the meaning of every word for myself, um, what I discovered is that more than ever, it is so important to operate in the present moment. Um, because we are all full of fears and anxiety about the future also excitement and anticipation about the future. We all have things we wish were different in the past that sort of get in our minds often. Um, And and the world is genuinely unpredictable. It always has been, but we've had enough surface-level predictability to believe that things were just going to keep marching on as they were, in fact, getting better and better. I mean, this is kind of the... Presumption is that things would get better and better over time. And um and we're learning the lesson that the that this life, this world is truly unpredictable and impermanent. And given that, the only point of leverage is in the current moment. Mm -hmm. And so I want to help expand people's ability to be with what is and create. From that place, no matter what that place is, not having to have it be a certain set of conditions.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of uh, actually the tattoo that's on my forearm. Mm-hmm. That's a variation on the Swedish Malin symbol, which sort of looks like an infinity loop, but has an arrow going integrated with it. And the, the representation of sometimes, in order to go forwards, you have to go backwards. Ah. And how true that is in this time we're living in and how true it is for us as practitioners of change in pursuit of agility, right? Mm -hmm. And everything that goes on with it and the feeling of sometimes we're going backwards, Mm -hmm. but that we do it for a reason and being in whatever that is present in it how important that is because you have to honor every step of the journey.
1: Yeah. And I think there are really two motions and that going backwards motion you're talking about, I think about it as a circular motion, almost like a spiral down. Yes. Because it's 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 in a way, it feels like going backward, but what it is, is actually going deeper.
0: Oh, I right? love it's, that. It's going
1: to the next level of deeper understanding of something. Yeah. It's circling it again, right? Yeah. And then from that deeper understanding... Bang, a forward motion becomes clear. Yeah. Versus just bang, 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 all these forward motions that are not getting us where we want to go.
0: And and Lisa, I never would have predicted how resonant just this description you've given us sounds to me in parallel of the stories you've talked about, why this audiobook for coaching agile teams and why an audiobook now. Versus perhaps a new edition of the book, yeah, right. Well, it's the going deeper in the things now, not bam, 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 move forward.
1: Yeah, I think that that is definitely part of it. And um, I didn't plan to want to record an audiobook. Yeah, what happened was that I got the royalty statement for the Coaching Agile Teams print book and the and the digital editions. And I noticed that we've sold in the last six months, um, 5,000 copies and in its life over 10 years, it's, this is all in English because I don't know exactly all the n- numbers in the various languages, but in the last 10 years in English, we've sold 50,000 copies. And I'm like, so what is up with a 10 year old book still feeling this relevant to people? Um, and so it had Miko look at it with a fresh eye, too. And I had been wanting to record an audiobook for a long time and, um, and had asked to do it a couple of times. And at the time, the publisher said, no, we don't do it for technical books. Because my book is technically
0: a technical book, a
1: technical, <laughs> right, <laughs> which is kind of funny. So um, but I have a new um, editor at the publishers. And she said, you know, let me go find out. And she said, yeah, it's, it's, we don't typically do it, but your book is a crossover. And so let's do it. And this was just as um, we were moving into lockdown in the United States. And I thought, what a great pandemic project. Yeah. Because for me to function during this time, what, what recording the audiobook gave me was something that I had a solo creative outlet with. Just like writing the book. It was, it was like, you know, me and the universe creating together and no one else. And it was really beautiful. And I loved writing that book. Um, it was such a creative endeavor. And this and recording the audiobook was very similar. Not only a creative endeavor, but it gave me a cadence in the time when everything in my life got upended, Like, like all of us. Everything in our lives, like bam, overnight changed. So I would get up early in the morning, every morning and record a part of the audiobook you know and i would be marking up the the chapter for the next morning yeah. you know and it was this beautiful cadence of work this 24 hour cycle that gave me a steadiness and a solidity in a time when everything felt so tenuous
0: yeah and i'm i'll be excited for us to unpack what that experience of the actual recording yeah. was like, like I want I want us to give an entire episode to that because I know the stories of your rituals and everything I've already found inspiring for just little ways that I approach rituals and traditions just in sort of my everyday. Um, so that's going to be exciting. Yeah. The, so we'll do that. Yeah. 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 We'll um, the, but it's also so hard not to want to pull that thread right now.
1: Yeah, let's not. Let's not. <laughs> because the, the thread I want to pull is really the other piece of the question you asked earlier, which is why not just write a second edition of the yeah, book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, when I said and announced on LinkedIn that I was going to write this audiobook, a couple of people wrote back and said, yeah, but aren't you going to do a second edition first? And I, I took that in and thought about it. And I looked at the book and, and, um, An experience I had way back in 2011 came to my mind that I thought was really apropos of how I felt after I looked at the book. And so just imagine this, that there's, we're at the Agile Alliance Conference, Agile 2011, it's in Salt Lake City, Utah. It is 10 years since the Agile Manifesto was signed. And it's like everything around the conference is the 10 year anniversary, right? Just like the Coaching Agile Books is at its 10th year right now, this year. And, um, and so we're all in the big auditorium. There's at least 2,000, maybe 2,500 of us. It's really exciting. They have this up on the stage. They have maybe 10 of the 17 signers of the Agile Manifesto. I mean, this is like a big reunion. And they've got them sitting on park benches. And it's just like a really beautiful, homey, cozy kind of down-home Salt Lake City vibe. And, um, and of course... The question comes from the audience. You know, it's ten years later. Surely there are things you want to change. I mean, this has got to be old by now, right? What would you change? And they're all looking at each other. I don't know. What would you change? I don't know. What would you change? I don't. And and there's this this maybe two or three minutes that they're just all looking at each other. And finally, Ron Jeffries says, so "Give me the mic." If you don't know Ron Jeffries, I just want to paint this picture for you. So he's a big guy. Um, he is one of the founding fathers of extreme programming. I would put him in that category, you know, with Kent Beck and Chet Hendrickson and others. But I mean, like, really a down-to-earth, practical guy. And, and he has a reputation for being quite irascible. Yeah, yeah. He's, he can come across as being pretty irritated sometimes. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't mince words, right? So um, so he's leaning over, right? He's got his elbows on his knees. Like he's hunched over. And they give him the microphone. He kind of lets it dangle for a minute. And then he kind of flips it up to his mic and he goes, yeah, I think what I'd change is that I'd put on the bottom and we really mean it. And then he flips the mic back down. It was like the original mic drop before we had the mic drop. <laughs>
0: yeah. And we really mean it. And we really
1: mean it. And, and as I think, as I thought about recording the audiobook and as I looked more at the book again and re-familiarized myself with what I had written 10 years ago, that kept coming to my mind. And I really mean it. So much of what's in that book is not being done today. And I believe that if more of it was being done today, we would have far less problems than I continue to hear about, like on repeat, same problem over and over again, um, that people are expecting Agile to solve. That is only actually Agile's job to reveal.
0: Yeah, there's, um, I was just writing about this the other day, um, where... I feel someone asked me, what is new in your world that you want to highlight in relation to kind of agility? And I said, I want to make the idea of uncovering new again. It's in the very first line of the manifesto, right? That's right. We are uncovering. Uncovering new ways. Yes. But I kind of feel like we are in the age of insanity in Agile, where we are doing the same old practices, tips, and techniques over and over again and expecting different results in our organizations and with our clients, and we're just not getting them because I think we are still standing on the shoulders of that work, which is now almost 20 years old with the manifesto. And who of us today are truly uncovering the new ways of achieving these values and principles on a day-to-day basis. And I'm just not sure it's there.
1: I love it. It's back to your tattoo. Yeah. So like, it's like if we can spiral around that one or two more times and go a little deeper, yeah. it doesn't mean we need to change and move on. Actually that, that would be, that would be going backwards. Yes. To change for the sake of changing or worse to change, to cover over dysfunctions. Mm-hmm. That's what we don't want to do. Yeah. But let's circle back around that and deepen it and see like, what is, I love the way you said it. Are, can we uncover new ways of expressing yes. the depth and the power yeah. of it's, this thing that we call agile?
0: Yeah. It's back to the values, back to the principles mm-hmm. coming from there as the root of our behaviors and our actions and interactions. And I think what you're saying is so much of coaching Agile teams is a vehicle for bringing us back to the what is true and what is whole and building us from there.
1: I think that's part of of what it does, for sure. I think the other thing that someone reminded me of yesterday is that new people are still entering The realm of agile coaching. Many, many, many new people all over the world are, and this is one of the first books they pick up. Yep. And um, so, you know, everything old is new again in a certain way. Because if you've never heard, if you've never heard the notion that as the agile coach, it's not your job to solve the team's problems, that's a pretty shocking notion. Yeah. For example and there are there are many of those sort of shocking notions that we agilists that have been in this game for a long time are like yeah of course that's the way it is but no 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 when you're first encountering this it that those shocking notions will challenge your sense of value and worth
0: yes it is a complete paradigm shift yeah you you are yanked over the edge of change at that moment
1: yeah when that right. light bulb goes on right and the coaching agile teams book is is The reason I said it's a companion, that's what it's called in the subtitle, it's a companion for Scrum Masters, Agile Coaches, and Project Managers in Transition. So because I want it to be that thing that is side by side with you when you get yanked over into that new world and you're like, whoa, hang on, if I'm not solving problems for the team, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, and the book says, here's what you're doing. Yeah. So and, and it's not like that's the only thing that you're doing, but it's the first pattern you can try that works. Mm -hmm. And then, as you said, back to the Agile Manifesto, in the spirit of that, let's uncover more and better ways of doing that same thing. Yeah.
0: You used the word companion a little bit earlier when you were speaking about uh, kind of just our conversations in general and a little bit pointing towards why a podcast series to supplement the audiobook. And you referred to this, wanting this podcast series to also be a companion. Wh- why, before we get into that, I feel like this is a really interesting word to choose, companion. Why that word? And what does it really mean to you?
1: Um, just discovering this in this moment, actually, is that I feel very grateful to have had an amazing Agile mentor at the very, very beginning of when I was first a scrub master. And his name is Mike Vistos, And we are such good friends now that he lives five doors up the street from me. I can walk out my driveway and look up the hill and there's his house. And, um, and I was so lucky to have him to be there to see me do the things that were not only not useful anymore, but were actually anti-helpful. And these were the same things I had been doing for 14 years in my career up to that point that seemed to be very successful to me. And so it was a very confusing world. And I didn't even see myself um, acting in ways that were anti-helpful, but he did. And he was able to, okay, that's it, Lisa, right there, that moment. What were you thinking about in that moment when you just told the team what to do? And he helped me deconstruct that. So he was my companion. And I realized that not everyone gets a Mike Vizdos, sadly. And so perhaps this book is a substitute, maybe a poor substitute, but at least a substitute for that kind of companionship and companionability as you're going through something that's a little bit challenging, which this can be for a lot of people.
0: hmm can be. And how how do you want that feeling of companionship to show up as listeners are listening to the audiobook?
1: Well, one of the things that I love about the audiobook is that we had I had the I had to make a lot of new choices. And one of the things was, dang, these are some long chapters. I realized in looking back at it. So I've chopped up the chapters into pieces that go together. For example, chapter five, which is called Coach as Coach and Mentor is now four different audios that are about 30 minutes apiece. So most of the audio files themselves are about 30 minutes a piece. There's one that's pretty long. I couldn't quite get that one down to a metabolizable chunk, but the vast majority are pretty short. And, and I think that that helps being a companion because um, the worst thing you can do to someone is to feed them way too full and then they can't metabolize the food you've given them. Yep. And um, and we'll talk later about the cool aspects of the audiobook, but one of them is a book club guide. I'd say that five times fast. <laughs> book club guide um, that, that helps people know how to metabolize those chunks. Yeah. And so that's... The other, the other thing about it being a companion is that the book does not go sequentially and the audio book does not go sequentially beginning to end. So I always meant that people would either scan the table of contents in the book or in this case, scan the, the, the titles of the audio tracks and go, oh, oh, coaching product owners, that's what I need today. Bang, let me yeah. listen to that for 30 minutes. Yeah. And so that way it was always meant to be sort of a reference That you'd come back to again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And I do have people telling me, look, I've had this book on my shelf since it came out 10 years ago and I am still using it. So uh, that's, that's a companion. Someone who's with you that long. Yeah. Or a book, a a thing that's with you that long.
0: Yeah, That's beautiful. And there's such just a warmth in the idea of companionship that is so great and it's a warmth that I feel when you and I talk about like, getting prepped for recording this, this podcast series that goes along with it. So like, why, why create a companion podcast series to go with it? What was your inspiration for that idea?
1: Well, the, even though the Coaching Agile Teams book and the audio book that's coming out is still 100% relevant to where we find ourselves today, there are areas that have been deepened. In the last 10 years, of course there have. And I've been involved in some of that deepening. Many other people have been involved in that deepening. And I just want to point to that work to say, okay, once you have metabolized this much stuff in the Coaching Agile Teams book, and or when your interest gets peaked in this little thing you read in the Coaching Agile Teams book, here's the next layer. Here's the next deepening level to go to. And here's who you go to. Here's where you go look.
0: Yeah, there's um, there is something about the the body of work that you the breadth of what you cover in coaching agile teams that exploits that um, the transition from the I don't know, I don't know it quadrant to the I know I don't know it quadrant, yeah, and all of a sudden that gets really really big, and then the Dunning Kruger takes effect kicks in and like you fall off of Mount stupid and you're like, how did I not know all of this stuff? And you're like paralyzed in this, there's so much I don't know, but then it's like, and it's okay because you can point to, and this is where you want to learn more and deepen and expand. It's there's so much, and and Lisa, especially leading up to just us recording this morning um, range is the word that I think of. We were talking about what's present for us and how we are in our lives right now. And we're so greatly just expanding our range for being with things and holding uncertainty. And that's something I know I want to really find ways to inspire people with as we build this companion through the podcast series it's just pointing to where that range can stretch
1: yeah me too and beyond the range that can stretch there there are also pathways people have forged in the last yeah. 10 years let's just let people know about that i mean like yes why bushwhack a whole new path if there's already one out there
0: right yes right? yeah
1: so i mean we can point to all of that too
0: yeah which is great what else about why the series
1: Well, I think what's important to me is that that people have a chance to be excited about something. My husband often says, um, to be happy, you need, um, how does it go? You need um, something to look forward to. You need something to love and you need someone to complain to. And so the, the something to look forward to um, has been ripped away for a lot of us, mm-hmm. you know. And so like maybe this can be something that people look forward to. Maybe this can be a way that they um, can engage with this new material in this podcast and also in the audiobook, book um, in a way that enlivens them yeah. and enlivens their practice of Agile and enlivens their living through the values of Agile.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm reminded of the metaphor we talked about around, um, the sound a gas burner makes as you go to turn it on the before yep. the flame yep. and, um, and how we can ev- invoke that sort of igniting of the community around all of this in a different sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why the women in agile podcast series as the home for these conversations?
1: So when I thought about, oh, yeah, well, I can get this information out there about all these other pathways and all these other great works that people have done through a podcast series series versus another edition of the book, which would just be pointing too much attention to me, then I'm like, okay, who would I do it with? And when I think about the most um, prolific podcasters in the Agile community, they're all men. Hmm. And so I listed like four names and they were all men. And I love these men. I would love to do podcasts with them, but I thought wait a minute what's wrong with that why don't i think of women podcasters and why don't i know more women podcasters it's not like they're not out there we are here yeah why Why? you know so so i really challenged my own um internalized um oppression of women and i'm like so what's up with that and so i i emailed you and i said yes <clears throat> what women podcasters do you know? And maybe is Women in Agile the right podcast for this? And so here we are.
0: And we're Hi. like, we would be so honored to be the home for this content. I yes. just, the, and, and I said at the beginning, the gratitude for this opportunity, Lisa, is just, I'm so thrilled, so yeah. thrilled. Thank you for choosing us to be your partner in this journey. You're welcome. This thrilled. journey, I'm thrilled. Yeah. So, so we are both, um, trained and, and, and have done work as ORSK practitioners, right? Mm-hmm. Organization and relationship systems coaching. One of the, the tools in that body of knowledge and, and body of work is this thing called high dream and low dream. Mm-hmm. And it's a way of, uh, working with people around just sort of exploring what could be. Yeah. And so I want to use a little bit of that framing to kind of ground our mission for this episode, which is like, what is the mission of the podcast series and why are we doing it? And what's the story behind it? So when, you, when we think of and kind of dream into all the possibility that could be, when we're done recording all of these episodes, what, what would that high dream look like? and feel like
1: it would look like that we would have a big celebration at the end you and me and we would and we would say hang on it would look like that you and i would have a big celebration at the end and there would probably be champagne involved Mm -hmm. And, and we would say to each other we did right by this community yeah we did right by them. We brought them something that was useful, and timely, and thought-provoking, and maybe soul-provoking. And and we enlivened their work and their lives.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling that. Um, you know how when your cheeks hurt when you've been smiling a lot, <laughs> like that. You know that sort of like like oh <sighs> ah my cheeks. I, when I think about the high dream, like my cheeks hurt, but they're also like wet with these just tears of like joy and all. And so it's this just triumphant sort of feeling.
1: Yeah. And if we're doing that, then part of my high dream is that people will have that little like tingle feeling every once in a while. Like, oh my God, that's an amazing idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. i had not
1: thought about that um yeah and you know and a part of the high dream also is to challenge people that that people will have the sense of oh uh maybe i've been harming
0: mm.
1: and maybe i need to come to terms with that yeah because we all there's no such thing as doing no harm but we can do less harm mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of the name of the game. I love Maya Angelou's quote: "When you know better, you do better." And so, like that's that's the thing of being able to help people through that journey of realizing them realizing, oh, uh, I was actually being anti helpful. Okay, let me pick myself up and do better. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, so that's it, actually part of my high dream is that we help people
0: through. Yeah, that. It, and. I don't know if I would have articulated this if we're not doing that for ourselves through the journey of this recording. Mm. I don't know if my high dream would truly be fulfilled either. So I
1: love that. I love the idea that we have a parallel journey to the journey that we are um, helping people embark on. And, you know, whenever they listen to this podcast series, that they will go on. Yeah. I love that.
0: I love that. And actually, I, I almost want people... Like listeners, like pause right now, like pause the recording, take a break, grab a piece of paper and journal for just a couple minutes on like what, what's present for you Hmm. when you think about what you might want to unlock in yourself and what your own high dream is. Yeah. What might be some of the things you seek to uncover for yourself as you listen?
1: Yeah. And another way to think about that is your greatest hope. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is your greatest hope of what happens for you as you listen to this podcast series about, um, about what's deep in the Coaching Agile Teams book, but also what's out there that will help you on your journey?
0: Yeah. yeah. What, what would our low dream be?
1: <sighs> well, I'm pretty proud of this book. And this audiobook, I have to say, I, as I as I have gone through it again, I'm like, damn, that was good. And so my low dream would be that we would spend too much congratulatory time, that I would, I would sort of get sucked into like how good that feels. Um, so I want to guard against that because I think that would be a waste of time for people. Yep. I don't think we should avoid it totally, but I also think we should notice when, when it's more of like a little a little too much focus on how great it is and not enough focus on how useful it might mm-hmm.
0: be there's um <clears throat> dullness is the word that i'm mm. that's coming to mind that i and, and I guess it's more of, um, it's kind of an essence thing because it's like, I feel what the low dream feels like in a somatic mm. sense, but I'm not sure I can actually put words to it. But it'd be like, if we got to the end of recording and we're listening to everything, deciding the exact sequence of the episodes and all of that, which is a little bit of an unzip moment right there, right? We are purposefully pre-recording all of this so that we can decide the right way to tell the story but it's like as we're going and listening to all of that there's just a feeling of eh. Eh, yeah yeah
1: yeah like it's that, good but that would suck i yeah i'm yes. with on that low dream yeah. i don't like that either and so let, let's just ground that feeling in both of our bodies because then we will know it when we do it when we mm-hmm. slip into it so that feeling of dullness so, what's happening over there for you when you allow that in?
0: I, I what I, I'm, I'm drawn to is what the anecdotes feel like to dullness, which is sort of strange that I can't even actually be with the feeling of the dullness. Like there's something, and I don't, I don't want to make it seem like low, the idea of low dream is bad because no. it's not. Um, but there is definitely an edge for me that I can't be with. Like yeah. dullness is not a comfortable place. Yeah. Laughter and joy. And you use the word exploration at the beginning of our chat today. Like that feeling of being on a jungle gym and reaching and stretching and discovering new, like, that's just what I'm so drawn to. I almost can't even be with the dullness. Like, what about you though?
1: So I've been expanding my range to be with stuff like dullness lately. Mm -hmm. Um, Dullness, loss, suffering, grief, those sorts of things, numbing. Um, And so let me just get back into it and you can ask me some questions and I'll tell you what's going
0: on. Where do you feel it, Lisa? Lisa.
1: Oh, it's like a cement block right in my torso, mm. like from my solar plexus down to just below my navel. It's like I'm having trouble breathing actually right now. It's so solid, but actually so comfortable too. It's like I don't have to do anything. I don't have to go anywhere. Um, mm, it is really solid. I'm having what to the, take shallow breaths in my upper lungs because I can't even breathe down there right now.
0: Mm. What strength is here, though?
1: Um, solidity and the the um, it, it's it's a guard against um, frivolous animation.
0: Mm. That I feel. Yeah. There is, there is a sense of groundedness mm-hmm. in this place of dull.
1: Yeah, so maybe there is a place just before the word dull that is actually really useful to be in the mix, not to be necessarily the main course, but to be a spice in the dish.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think of simple Huh. Um, no frills yes i was pretentious is the word that i was thinking of you know like somehow the good the best food is just really super simple and straightforward yeah, yeah. but done with such skill and craftsmanship mm-hmm. in it versus like pretentious overdone
1: yeah Fru-fru-fru. celebrated food for yes or
0: like <laughs> That and that, so it's, that is the gift of the low dream. Even yep. if we just focused on that, mm-hmm. there is still richness there.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I'm realizing that that piece of the low dream is connected to what I said in the low dream at the beginning, which is that I don't want this to be so self-congratulatory. hmm
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It is. How, would, how will we know which of these we're closer to when we get to the end?
1: Well, I'm hoping we don't wait till the end. I'm hoping that we, um, I know we won't, I hope that we'll feel it in the moment. Yeah. Right? So what are the benefits of doing what you and I are doing now, which is not only cognitively saying what we, what we see in our high dream and in our low dream, but we are grounding it in our bodies so that, because the bodies, there's this great term I just learned called neuroception. Mm. that our, our, our neurological system can perceive so much faster than our cognitive system. Yeah. So there's literally a neuroception that happens and, and if you and I can get tuned into that neuroception, we will know before the words come out of our mouth, if we are hitting the notes we want to hit.
0: Yeah. It's using our intuition and felt sense knowing Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: and relying on that is our companion, yeah, oh I love that.
1: Ooh, there's the parabolic yeah, yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, and for me, just like feeling that cement block. And so I know that if I start to breathe in the upper half of my lungs only, like whoa whoa whoa, hang on, Lisa, pay attention here. Are you yeah. moving into dullness? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: I love that. What else do we want to share today? I feel yeah. like we've explored the mission for why we're here.
1: Yeah, I love a little it. bit
0: on why the audiobook. So I'm feeling very accomplished in terms of the mission of our chat today. But there there is so much more to come in this entire series, but but what's present that you want to share with folks today, Lisa?
1: I think the most important thing I want to share with folks is that um, we are recording this in the middle of genuinely the first worldwide crisis. We have had pandemics before, but they have not been in almost every country. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, especially now, especially now, what we have in Agile is not only a toolkit for doing more work or doing work better, what we have in Agile is a way of not not just coping, but possibly even thriving in really harsh conditions. Yeah. And so what I want for all of us, us and you listening, what I want for all of us is to discover ways that we can, Let Agile be what I think it's here to be, which is a brilliant, emergent response to an unpredictable and confounding world. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That really reminds me of how I felt at the beginning of this episode when I said I feel a sense of responsibility. That is a desire I have is to call forth that sense of responsibility in our community, for exactly what you were just describing. Agile can be used to serve our global world and our global society. Always, but especially in a time like this.
1: Mm-hmm. And down to the micro level, Agile can be used as a way to keep yourself above water. Yes. In this incredibly turbulent um, set of conditions we find ourselves in.
0: Absolutely. What has shifted for you as we've talked today? I think I'm more excited
1: about the podcast series than I even was before, actually.
0: Oh, the joy. Like, yeah, I mean, like you are like a sunshine, all like, ee, like yeah, the I hands know. are flickering and uh, ah.
1: yeah, I, I'm really super excited for how we've set this up, that this is a parallel journey for us and for you beautiful listener, whoever you are. Yeah. And, um, and that it's gonna be really super useful and very enlivening and maybe enlightening. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I too am just so connected and feeling just plugged into life through, through these discussions and through us getting ready for this today, just it's like putting fuel in my tank. I feel the shift in me from talking at the beginning of the episode to now is just like, I feel more online.
1: Yeah, I do too. Yeah.
0: Yeah which is going to serve me very well today because it happens for me to be nine o'clock in the morning as we're recording this. And I know it's approaching lunchtime for you as you're across the country. So yeah. What are, I want us to have a little bit of a ritual of closing each of these conversations with gratitude and appreciation.
1: Oh, I love that. That's a great idea.
0: Yeah. So what, what are you feeling grateful for and what do you want to appreciate?
1: As soon as you say, what well, do you feel grateful for me? I can feel the welling up of the tears. Mm. You know, um, I'm so grateful for the series of events that I had nothing to do with that put me in the position to be able to work with you, Leslie, and to reach all the people who will hear this. I think about how so many things lined up to get both of us here right now. And it's, it's like, it, it's an infinitesimal chance that all that stuff would have lined up. And so it feels so precious to me. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm suddenly reminded of being in the room in 2013 in Las Vegas for the open space session that was, I believe then, just women in scrum. And from that, here we are today, um. yeah there's tears in my eyes as well mm-hmm. um, yeah. I feel very blessed mm-hmm. and yeah. I'm very very appreciative of that because it can be hard to find that feeling at this yeah. time in my own life as well as just in everything that's going on yeah yeah So thank you, Lisa, for this discussion today.
1: I love it. It's a great start.
0: It is. It is. And thank you all for listening to this episode. Uh, We hope we're leaving you inspired and connected um, to this journey that we're embarking on together. So thank you, Lisa. Thank you, listeners. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Coaching Agile Team's mini-series. The Women in Agile podcast team is honored to be the home for this special content. If you enjoyed the show, we ask you to please rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your other preferred podcast platform. That will help us achieve our mission of amplifying the voices of women in our Agile community. As always, a huge thank you to the Women in Agile podcast sponsor, Accenture Solutions IQ, and if you're interested in finding out more about the initiatives from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization, we invite you to visit womeninagile.org. Thanks again for tuning in.